Well, let me start by just saying that the scripture is going to be included. And as often happens when they want a title earlier in the week, the Holy Spirit changed the title. So uh, it'd probably be more about reflecting God's light. But let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to be here, to be your hands and your feet in this worship service. And we just ask, Lord, that uh, the light that blossomed in the formation of this sermon may show forth and burn brightly, uh, not to my glory, but to yours, we pray. In the name of your Son, amen and amen. When I was the master commander of all astronauts, things VBS stellar, a couple of weeks ago, and I walked out, I actually had my astronaut helmet on. You realize that I was coming from a different uh, atmosphere and I needed to have that and I was able to take it off and, and talk to uh, the aliens that had come from Earth that were in the guise of little people. Um, I spoke about God's creation and imagine that all of this in front of you is a view of God's creation because that's what they saw. And if you'd been in the fellowship hall, that was there. Oh my goodness, as if looking out from earth. It was amazing. And we had an opportunity to speak of God's creation and God's light and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they were without form or void. And it goes on from there. And we start getting into the days of creation, and the very first day is what? What does he do the very first thing on the first day? Let there be light. And then all of a sudden, out of chaos and formlessness, we have a light that helps to bring order. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was a little kid, a very little kid. I did not like the dark. The dark was not my friend. In fact, I can remember more than one time lying in bed at the top of the stairs at 333 Burner Hill Road, and I could have sworn 
that I could hear and I could smell someone under my bed. <laughs> you know, the senses get engaged when you're <laughs> terrified. And, and I, I, I would beg for light. I would cry out for light. And my mother would say, there's nothing there. Go to sleep. How many of you have that t-shirt? Huh, moms? Yeah, okay, I know that. And, but that was never good enough. And if I had been smart, I would have said, well, where's God's light? But I didn't have that going on at sense at that particular time. But once I got a nightlight, and I had a dog, all was well. And it was even better when my sister and my brother all lived in the same room with me, and mom would come in and lie down with one of us. And it was as God said at the end of the first day, it was good. And all of the fear and the chaos and the not knowing disappeared. Now, you all know that, because uh, Michael has been walking through some of this old, the Old Testament in the beginning, about how um, God's light and God's favor shone down upon the Jewish people, the Israelites. And it was God's light was all over the place when Moses led the Israelites out. And we, uh, we had the one particular um, plague where it was darkness, but gee whiz, God's light shone amongst the Israelites. And when they were traveling out, God led them, an angel of the Lord led them, and we had a pillar of fire and clouds, and there was a lot of light going on. But over time, the Israelites as, and Gee whiz, it's not just them, look at us, kind of lost their way. And, and, and if we, if, well, what is darkness? Darkness is an absence of light. And so all that God was not is what made up that darkness. And the Israelites repeatedly, I mean, if I had all this favor falling down on me, I wouldn't be doing all the things. I wouldn't forget as quickly as those Israelites did, would I? No. But they did, and we do. And, and, and so, so consequently, um, you know, God would speak, he would raise up a, a prophet, 
um, during a period of time it was the judges, but, but raise up a prophet who was God's spokesperson. God would speak to that prophet just as God spoke to Moses. And then that prophet would speak to the people for God. And the people would come back. And, and there was a conversation. And, and it was good. And the people knew that God was in contact with them. And they still forgot. And they forgot. And they forgot. And God knew that they would forget. And so where I want to pick up today is what God sent to the people after they had turned their backs on him repeatedly. And he sent the light of Christ. And he sent the light of Christ to the people because, one, he knew they weren't going to get back on their own. It had to come through God because he, had, he was the one who had to bridge that gap. But the second thing was that God had a plan that the Israelites had, were a part of but had not done a very good job of completing, and that is taking that light into the world. And so I am going to take a look at Christ's light, and then I'm going to look at our job as adopted sons and daughters to bring that light and take that light into the world as Christ was bringing the light of God into the world. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, gives one of the seven I am's. And he said, what? I am the light of the world. Now, Michael will tell you the context is very, very important. The context of that statement was at a time when we had the festival of the booths, this festival of tabernacle. That was in the fall. And, and the pilgrims would come in and they would build these booths, small enclosure kinds of things, and they would stay there during that festival. And the beautiful thing was that at night, in these areas where the booths were set up, Huge torches were lit so that there was immense light that went out. There were no areas of darkness where those tents were. And lo and behold, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. What a thought. I am the light of the world, not I am God's light. I am God's light to the Jews. But he says, I am going to take my light into the world. And John, as you know, is occupied. I mean, he's just, he's focused on Christ. You know, who is Christ? 
Uh, and indeed, if God is light, why do we need more light? Jesus' light, I believe, was, was designed to puncture the human's consciousness where there is darkness, to wake us up. And, 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 and Paul certainly understood that. Think about this. Paul, as he says in 2 Corinthians, was a Jew's Jew. He was a guy who studied under Gamaliel. It was like he was, he was at the top university studying for a doctorate under the top guy or gal. And he worked very hard to be a Jew's Jew and, and, and a Pharisee's Pharisee. He attempted to follow all 600 of the Torah laws. And he found out that he couldn't do it, much like Martin Luther found out that he couldn't lead a sinless life. And so he, he worked hard. He worked hard to do this. And, 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 and if you uh, read Romans 7 and 8, Paul talks about the difficulty he had in trying to lead that sinless life, because the more he tried, the more he, as Miss O'Connor, my 10th grade English teacher, taught us the word perseverate, he focused and focused and focused on the very things that he knew he shouldn't be doing. And it didn't help. And at the very end of chapter 7, he says, oh, what a wretched man am I. Who will save me from this body of sin? And does anyone know what the first verse of chapter 8 is, says? You should know that one. It's all about being thankful for Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was the one who rescued, who enlightened him and had him realize, helped him to realize, helped him to realize that God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's love was sufficient. In fact, he got a first class on that on the road to Damascus, didn't he? Oh my goodness gracious sakes, he's going along, he's going to take down those Christians in Damascus. He had letters from the proper authorities, and he encounters Christ, does he not, on the road. And when he encounters Christ and he hears the voice, what happens? He's suddenly blinded. Things like scales covered his eyes. And he was led around, wasn't he? He was not in control. Everything, everything fell apart in his world. His light, his sight was taken away. Oh, he could hear, and he could 
smell, and he was dependent upon others. But when did that light come again? When Ananias came into his life. When Ananias prayed for him and opened his eyes to God's grace and God's forgiveness. And it was that aha moment. And suddenly, not only could he see physically, but he could see with his soul and with his spirit. We all need a Damascus Road experience periodically to remind us because we get caught up in things, not trying to follow the rules, but we get in the darkness because it's part of our nature going all the way back to the beginning. And so he came to realize that God's grace came from Christ, from Christ's light, and it was freely given. He did not have to earn it. And then he speaks about the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and 6, because they were struggling, and they were all, there were a lot of people in the church, but within the, the town, the city itself, who are blinded by the things of the world. And he says of them, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here we are. Christ came to awaken not just the Jews, but all of humanity, all of humanity, to the light that came through faith in Christ. And the beautiful thing is this. He made the message clear that God loves everyone. We are all sons and daughters. I mean, we are God's creation, whether we love him back or not. We're like kids, aren't we? And some kids get it, and some kids are wonderful, and they're appreciative, and others don't. But that doesn't mean that a parent doesn't love them just the same, and God is the same way. God doesn't want to see us fail, and so he sent Christ. In fact, he started talking about him in Isaiah. All the way back, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And God was good to his promise. In fact, those words almost exactly were repeated in Matthew 4, 16. 
<laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Why, why does Christ come? What was John 3.16? Come on, let me hear you say it. You all know John 3.16, huh? Go ahead. But whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is God's mission. And in John 12, 4, 6, Jesus puts it a different way when he says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. <laughs> and then a little later in the same chapter, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Man, all these levels of understanding of this stuff is just crazy. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left. And so, brings me to the next part of this. What is our role? What is our role? In Ephesians 5, 8, and 9, it says, for, once you were, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And what does that look like? Well... For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And one of my favorite passages is from Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And I, I, every time I say that, I think when I first went from Munich to Garmisch Partenkirchen when I was in the army. And I, it was dark when we were driving, and I, it was all dark, it was all dark. And then you'd see a light way up on a, on a mountainside. And you realize that there was something that was up there. It might have been a house, it might have been a, if there were a couple of lights, it was a small town, but you saw that light in the darkness. It didn't matter, and it gave us hope that we were getting somewhere, and we were going to come to, a, come to an end. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. And then it says that famous verse, let your light so shine before men and women or others that they may see your good deeds. And what? Glorify your Father in heaven. 
Let your light so shine before men and women. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But then we go one step further. And this is, the, this is one of my favorite verses as well. And it's from 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're a priesthood. You're a priest or priestess. <laughs> you are the one who can speak for God and God's word. It's not just Chip up here. Each of us is a priest, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may, you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Boy, if that doesn't remind you who you are, with this, he says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We, we, broken as we are, we who have been saved by God's grace, we who have been given a second and third and fourth and intimate, yeah, imminent, a multitude of chances, infinite, thank you, there it is, infinite chances. And God still forgives. And he has made us a priest. And he has called us to go out into the world to be God's light. And I saw it yesterday. My goodness gracious sakes, I saw it yesterday. Not so much in the smiles of the people that were out there yanking and sweating and, and, and doing stuff, but in the actions of the people. And I saw it in the smiles at the end of the day, but I saw it reflected in Rebecca Brooks's face. I saw it reflected in Carolyn Cawthorn, her roommate's face. And what, how does that say, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine? Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine? Guys, ladies, that is what we are about. As new creations, we are called to reflect God's light to all we meet. And what does that tell others? It tells others that we live a life that's different. And we do that by showing love to all we meet. It's easy to love others that are like us. It is not easy to love others that are not like us, who don't or who don't appreciate what we're doing. I got lots of stories about that. But we're also supposed to quickly forgive Don't hold grudges. 
quickly forgive and help others. I always asked my congregation at my last church, every Sunday, where have you seen God this week? Every, every Sunday. And it was funny how at the beginning, folks didn't say a whole lot. But as they started looking for God, they saw God all over the place. Try it out. Try it out. You will be amazed at the numbers of people in this community that reflect God everywhere you go. As Jesus said, go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.